Hello and welcome to Edging On, Edging On, Edging On Multiplicity, a podcast where three Michael Keaton enthusiasts watch the 1996 masterpiece Multiplicity in 10-minute increments. I am Sam. I am Drew. I'm Adam. And today we watch the first 10 minutes of Multiplicity. And uh, I gotta say already, contrasting this to Dunstan Checks In, there's a lot more plot. <laughs> a lot more setting up characters. You know, but on the opposite end of that, there was just as much establishing <laughs> in the credits. There was a solid three, four minutes of traffic. Oh, but, yeah. It, it starts off like a, pl- a police procedural. The, the music and everything, the second it starts off, I expect it to cut to a police station. Yeah, this is the autopsy of Michael Keaton's career. <laughs> did, did anyone else think that that song sounded like a Billy Joel song? <laughs> whoever yeah, whoever yeah. you are, George Fenton, I would be on the lookout, man. I know this came out in 1996, but... It's never too late to claim copyright infringement. It's like Miles Davis's most drug-addled <laughs> song, and not in like a crazy way, but more like a quaalude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of boring. But <laughs> you just had that da na 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 da na na na. Oh, it's there... all you need. It's a little <laughs> mischievous, a little comic. There was a two-measure guitar solo that went. And then it faded out. It was gone. <laughs> it really sounds like an episode of CSI. <laughs> uh, Before we really dig into this movie, I wanted to, uh, because a lot of this movie rides on the shoulders of its leading man, Michael Keaton, mm. I wanted to go around the table and uh, get everybody's uh, experience with Michael Keaton. What do they know about the man? We'll start with Sam. Uh, well, actually, I met Michael Keaton in a mall in Lima, Ohio in mm. 2007. Uh, he took my ice cream cone and threw it in the trash and then said, what the fuck are you going to do? I'm Michael Keaton. So I, I, I gotta say, I've not really had too much positive experience with him outside of the movie. I saw him one time. I was walking through the park here in town. I saw him breastfeeding. Oh, like, he was he was sucking on titty. He wasn't breastfeeding. That would have okay. been weird. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't do that in public. That's just gross women. Oh. Well... <laughs> I must, I must I'm disagree. Obviously, I'm obviously kidding, man. It's no different than jacking off in a park, man. Yeah, it's, as long it's, as it's like just natural. It's just, just do with your body what you will. My, uh, the only thing that I've really known about Michael Keaton before this was that uh, actually he was the model that they used to build the Lincoln Memorial. They just changed the name to the Lincoln Memorial to make it a little more patriotic. Yeah. But originally it was meant to be the Michael Keaton Memorial. I heard that too, actually. Yeah, that's wasn't, what, that's wasn't the backstory they ran out of K's for like uh, the inscription model, and they're just like, "Fuck it, we got L's." Yeah, they only needed one K, but I also want to point out one of the one of the interesting uh, things behind the script in this movie. One of the first things, one of the first credits we'll see is uh, a Harold Ramis film. But as uh, as Drew, I'll, I'll have you explain to you explain beforehand. Yes, uh, Harold Ramis is credited as. The director of this film, but he also wrote about 48% of it. He's not credited as the writer because, according to the laws of the guild, you need to write at least 50% of something in order to be credited with it. So, Harold Ramis, who is pretty much the mastermind behind this movie, of course, Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters fame, mm-hmm. so Harold Ramis is credited as director and producer, but not writer, which I'm sure kept him up late at night. Yeah, he really dodged that bullet. <laughs> Although his name was plastered all over the multiple credits, so, I mean, I don't think he's out of the woods just yet. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Here's, here's, but when you look up his writing career, it doesn't show up, <laughs> so... Here's a question. Harold mm-hmm. Ramis also famously uh, made Groundhog Day. Yes. And with the same leading lady, I might add. 
But uh, is that her? Yeah, Andy McDowell. Yeah. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, I thought it was uh, whoever was Marion Ravenwood, but she was with Bill Murray and Scrooge. Karen Allen. Karen Allen, yes. But uh, what if Harold Ramis, when he was making Multiplicity, he experienced a Groundhog Day loop where he had to try to make the best movie ever, and he knocked it out of the park by the last the last time. <laughs> he had enough time to get it perfect, <laughs> trim all the fat, get every detail just right. Hire as many Michael Keatons as he could get his hands on. Did you? Uh, I, I did a little bit of research on this film. I've not seen the film. This it, is yes, Adam is our freshie. For yeah, this. this is like how last season Sam hadn't seen Dunstan. Dunstan checks in. So explain it in a, in, a, in a very simple way. This season, I am Sam. Drew is Sam. Or Drew, Drew is Adam, and Adam is uh, Sam. If that makes sense. That does make sense, surprisingly. <laughs> But yeah, I, and I did a slight amount of research, and it actually turns out that the original idea for this movie, for the plot, was uh, Michael Keaton, uh, you know, being a middle-aged dad, he was going to sell middle-aged dad t-shirts with a fish picture on them, captioned, <laughs> captioned I've been taking your carp all day. <laughs> <laughs> Millions. Yeah. And the cloning idea was about the production of the t-shirts. He couldn't figure out how to mass produce, so we thought, I'll just clone them. <laughs> oh, but We'll get back to this in a bit, but that is, that is for me one of the things this movie does very well, which is creating a very believable uh, boomer dad character. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most realistic boomer ever written in film. <laughs> He's got dirt under his fingernails. He's not terribly fond of his family. He's really sweaty. Oh. <laughs> This threatening murder on anyone that... Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I, I won't have to get to that. So, <laughs> so after we have 15 minutes of uh, traffic shots, uh, we go. We, we, we meet uh, Vic, one of uh, Michael Keaton's contractors, who oh, is pouring... Oh, it was Richard. It's Vic? It's Vic. Vic's yeah, it's short Vic. for Richard. <laughs> I can't contradict him, <laughs> but I still think they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, we, we find him uh, pouring a driveway. Unfortunately, he's poured the wrong driveway. They've torn up some random person's driveway and rebuilt it, uh, much to Michael Keaton's chagrin. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Vic is Michael Keaton's subordinate. Michael Keaton works as a contractor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This sets up the main conflict of the film, which is Michael Keaton's eyebrows versus Lee. <laughs> <laughs> The greatest, the greatest pair of eyebrows in cinema. <laughs> people talk about people talk about the cast this movie for being like a pretty solid cast, but they don't talk about the eyebrows. Yeah, oh, they were casted alone for their eyebrows. Ada McDowell's some pretty good eyebrows herself. It's got to be said. They said uh, her yeah. eyebrows were on point in this movie. They said Harold Ramis uh, made all of his actors wear shawls while they were reading his lines for the casting. They just wanted to see the eyebrows. All in the eyes. Yeah, all in the eyes. All and the what's, what's above the eyes? The brows. The brows. Michael Keaton is the greatest forehead actor of our generation. <laughs> we have an eyebrow alert. <laughs> <laughs> eyebrow alert! <laughs> I just wanted to give one, get one comment in real quick about the establishing shots, and that is, by the time they're done, that shot is so established, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know. By the way, the highway shot from The Walking Dead makes it a brief appearance. Uh, speaking of the, the long establishing shots... It, it passes the borderline of being an establishing shot and becomes a transition, which is so bizarre. That's not how you want to introduce a movie. A transition into the movie. It, it feels like it's so reminiscent of, like, Birdemic, like the opening of Birdemic, <laughs> oh, yeah. where it's just, like, seven and a half minutes of just driving on the highway. 
Except this time we get Quaalude Billy Joel playing the theme song. Yes. <laughs> I really like Vic because he reminds me of Eugene Levy, but if he was stretched out a bit. <laughs> and uh, he, he calls Michael Keaton's character, who apparently is named Doug, uh, Vic calls him Douglas. Like a good old Mr. Dink from the Doug Funnies show. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's another thing you're going to have to bear with us on this movie, because much like in uh, Dunstan Checks In, we will only refer to Douglas as Michael Keaton, because <laughs> it's impossible to separate actor from character. <laughs> Such is his dedication to the role. Michael Keaton was also uh, opening his mouth quite a lot. We've talked about every part of his face in this scene, but he just keeps on like swinging his mouth open like a barn door. He gets out of his truck mouth agape. The first shot of Michael Keaton in this movie is hysterical. He gets out of his truck, his mouth is just hanging open, he's wearing sunglasses, he looks like he showed up to set hungover. Oh, not only that, like when he gets out of the car, like one of his eyebrows is like touching his actual eye. It's so like he's doing that crazy thing like The Rock does where one of his eyebrows goes high and the other goes low <laughs> and it, it's just he, he's got his mouth agape he's getting out of his car and just oh, I can't uh, describing it doesn't even do it justice you said 293 Dumbledore <laughs> no I said 295 eh? Eh? <laughs> uh, so we, we we follow Michael Keaton back to the office where uh, oh, we, here, we get here, a little real, real quick I'd like oh. to I'd like to call back to a line that uh, Vic uh, and Michael Keaton have <laughs> Michael Keaton threatens Vic that if he does not get the driveway complete, yes. he will. What is it here? He will beat him to death with a uh, what is it? Uh, drywall, drywall hammer. hammer. Yes. <laughs> that just sets the mood of the how unstable this character is going to become. Yeah. I I love this intro because it is so high. We go from a snore fest with these establishing shots to a peak of the most manic energy. Yes. And then right back down to Slumber City. But but also with the high energy, uh, it's really reflected in the fashion choices because discount <laughs> Eugene Levy Vic, uh, oh. he's wearing a shirt that looks like it was torn up from my local bowling alley and made into clothes. We, we go back to the, to the same thread in Dunstan Checks In where I want to wear everything <laughs> in this movie. The entire, I want to I contact the wardrobe department see if they have any spares lying around. Yeah, Stitch Fix, if you do a, a 1996 <laughs> movie classic line, call us. Yeah, another 1996 film as well. I think we're just going to stick with that year. <laughs> uh -huh. That was uh, the peak of fashion. When we go back to the office, it, it just continues to show us how, how chaotic and out of control Michael Keaton's life is. Everything is going wrong for this man. No one respects him. Even <laughs> he his has fax so machine much on goes his plate. psycho. Yeah, even his fax machine. Uh, he has so much on his plate and is only being given more responsibilities. And it's very clear as soon as we, 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 we go to this office scene where his, his co-workers are all just dumping all their responsibilities on him. He's, he has chosen to take responsibility for Vic's mistake for no real reason. Yeah, that I can discern. we get fired when we do shit. When we tear up somebody's driveway. Yeah. I don't think Michael Keaton would have been established as a bad guy if he said, Vic, you tore up another person's driveway. You're out of here. Bye. I feel like he would have had uh he would have been fair to tell his boss what actually happened. Instead of just saying, I'll take care of that I don't I don't quite understand that line. I think this is like setting us up for the fact that uh Michael Keaton's life is in decline by his own poor decisions and uh, inability to set. And what what is the first thing his boss says to him when he when he walks up to him? Why are you trying to end my life, Doug? <laughs> you trying to get up my nose? Are you trying to I kill me like you killed poor Vic? Everyone in this movie is incredibly dramatic. But 
just to just to give a little bit of a comparison, imagine if in Dunstan checks in in the beginning when uh, Mrs. Dubrow says uh, uh, to Jason Alexander, "You need to fire Consuelo because she ran into me with the dog." <laughs> then Jason Alexander said, "No, that was me. I ran into you with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you need to fire me." <laughs> This, the, the opening scene of this movie is interesting because it makes you really wonder, how is Michael Keaton finding the time to do all this shit? We very quickly learn it's because he's not spending any time with his wife or family. <laughs> <laughs> he's the mis- boomer dad ensemble. Uh-huh. He has reached nirvana. He's missed his daughter's campfire girls graduation. His daughter's in the den drinking. <laughs> I, I, I love Andy McDowell's dialogue in these, these scenes. Because I, I, I don't know what... It's not like it's necessarily funny. It's just very charming. <laughs> it, before it's, well, before it, he I, gets... <laughs> sorry. Well, when he pulls up his car to go into the house at night in that, that weird shot, hmm. the framing on that is so bizarre because the, the lower left corner is where Michael Keaton pulls up in his car hmm. and on the opposite corner is the door. And he just sits in his car... So we're thinking, okay, we're just going to kind of follow him to the door. He just sits in his car, so it's framed like that for no reason. <laughs> it's so bad. Why would they do that? Oh, show it, us that it, he owns a door. No one could have <laughs> no, no done that like on purpose. That They had to have had that longer. That scene must have been longer and cut for some reason. Adam, are you saying Harold Ramis is a bad filmmaker? No, not at all. I like Harold Ramis' films. Well, in this age of the internet, saying one negative thing about a person's work means that you hate them as a human being. Well, your work sucks. Thank you. (laughs) I hate you. All right. I'm sorry, but I need to shackle us back again, because at the office, we get introduced to Douglas' rival, this brown-nosing work guy. Yes. Who... Is that what that was set up to be? Was that... Yeah. It's very... It's surprisingly subtle, unless you know what you're looking for, Mm. but... Yeah, he comes in and he's uh, saying, you know what, we should all work through the weekend. And he says it in possibly the stupidest way possible. What does he say, Sam? He says, if you're not coming on Saturday, don't even bother coming in on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I think the expression's supposed to be like, don't bother coming in on Monday. But no, he's just saying, if you don't want to work the weekend, then you better not work the weekend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But also that guy, when he first is introduced to the scene... uh, Douglas and his boss are at the end of a hallway talking, and then Brown Noser guy turns a corner of his office and then's like, oh, you know what I think? Like he was listening to them yes. from just around the corner and he runs across the hallway to them. And you know zero percent chance. And you know he was. He was around the corner, he had like a he had a glass of the door. The ear. <laughs> Masturbating to Doug's misery. <laughs> he paid off Vic to tear up that driveway. Maybe it was his name Tim, I can't recall. I don't. I don't recall him uh, saying his name. I should have written it. I definitely said his name. I don't, don't I, think I, I wrote totally it down. Missed it. Uh, I, I feel like he is the shadow man in this movie who is uh, <laughs> destroying Michael Keaton's life. <laughs> He's the 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 the, the uh, villain, the, the mastermind behind the entire film. I think. Yeah, he's the one who's making Michael Keaton ruin his family life. Yes, he's the one who's making Michael Keaton have no idea how to <laughs> balance home life balance. Speaking of balancing home life, when he gets home. He sits on the floor to play with his wife and son, mm. and his wife says, uh, you don't have to take a bath tonight. So the, the son stands <laughs> yeah. up and shakes his ass in such a way 
that I actually had to look down. It was just so and uncomfortable. And then Andy McDowell spanks him twice. Yeah, she spanks this child's... It looks like not he's not child. even wearing underwear. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. When I was a kid, I loved baths. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. Dude, yeah. I still love baths. Fuck you. See, I'll take bubble baths. It goes, like, zero to ten-ish? Ten, twelve? Ten. Enjoying baths. Then there's like a long stretch from like high school to junior high Once where showers are abolu- absolutely yeah. reprehensible. Uh, you know, you, 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 stick, you turn to shower and you stick your hair in so mom sees your hair is wet. <laughs> it's like wetting your toothbrush when you're a kid. Done! I'm Gra- sorry, grab what was the that axe. Time frame? What was that time frame? High school to junior high? Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. That's what multiplicity's doing. Though the Michael Keaton's may be multiplying, our brain cells are dividing. Oh, oh. also, oh, yes. also, just so you know, this kid is like a real kid, trust me. Oh, yeah. Zach's r- Zach, his son Zach, his room has a sign that says, Zach's room, no yes. girls. <laughs> <laughs> girls need not apply. <laughs> girls, ew. What's upsetting to me, now that I'm watching this movie more critically than I have before, okay, I should also explain... Uh, this this movie is my Dunstan checks in. It's my personal Dunstan. I've seen it. This is probably we all like, have a Dunstan to bear. Yeah, this is probably the tenth or twelfth time I've watched <laughs> Multiplicity, and I have also watched it synced Dark Side of the Moon, which which is gonna come into play here. I'm hoping I can find my notes from that for the finale because that's a pretty good experience. But uh, I'm actually noticing that really the acting in this movie is pretty good. Yeah, it's not I, bad. The, the family dynamic is genuinely believable in that scene. I think in that everybody looks like a bad day away from suicide. Yeah, I mean they're all they're all very clearly stressed and having a very bad time oh which mm, there's some i don't want to skip to the kitchen scene just yet because there's 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 one more good line i want to bring up which is when uh michael keaton's uh wife asks i don't think we've got their name yet asks uh i think it's like Didi or something i think he said something like he mumbled definitely not Didi. He, he like mumbled something, and it, it, he just calls her "hun" and "sweetie" and "babe" like yeah, twelve is, times already. This is something I, I primed everyone for before we started the movie. We're gonna try to keep track of how many times they say her names. I don't think it's any more than two or three. Right now, like I, I'm so positive he said it, but it was so like muted and quiet, we could not understand it. I got Dee Dee. If that's wrong, that's on me. Oh, I, I, I got it. Oh yeah. Uh, Doug's wife's name is Patty Mayonnaise. Oh yes, that's right. This might be leading us into slightly slight spoiler territory for movie. This movie, but uh, Bechdel test. I, I think this movie f- almost fails the giving the main female character a name test. <laughs> is that the Bechdel test? No, no. The Bechdel test is that she has a line of dialogue with another woman. It's not about a man. I don't think she has a line of dialogue to another character. Maybe like one or two. It's not much. It's pretty rough, guys. Well, we are in the middle of the 90s, so woman's liberation is unfortunately happening. Uh, That's why I appreciate Multiplicity, taking a firm stand for what is right. And yes, that was ironic, please. Oh, we'll get to that next Oh, speaking of ironic, this also was released in 1996, much like our Dunstan checks in from last season. Not intentional. Not intentional. Just sort of happened. It's a good year. Oh, good oh, year yes. for movies. Oh yes, the Dunstan, a fine vintage, fine vintage 1996, <laughs> perfect for comedy films. Uh, Another line I enjoy in the scene is where uh, Anne McDowell asks uh, if he's going to be getting a raise for all these new responsibilities he's taking on, to which he replies, oh, it's really more of a prestige thing, honey. <laughs> <laughs> 
with eyes that say, kill me, put us, put me out of both of our miseries. Yeah, his dialogue is so, he's very, he's having such a bad time. She asks him, uh, if, uh, if, if he could say no to these new responsibilities, he says, yeah, if we want to start uh, hunting our own food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we in the Remind kitchen scene yet? No, I, I'm sorry, I've got one before one the more? kitchen. Sam, do you have something? Uh, no, you're good. Uh, real quick, Michael Keaton reminds me of Fletch, just how horrible and having none of it he is. But uh, before we move to the kitchen, Michael Keaton goes downstairs to watch the, the Girl Scout Jamboree video uh, his daughter had a Girl Scout event that he missed because he's always working. Men be working, am I right? But uh, let right. me tell you, from the videotape, that event looks boring as hell. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Drew, uh, flashback to the 90s, that's kind of what people did. Dads had camcorders, mom had camcorders, everything, every single event was being taped to be watched later by Michael Keaton. <laughs> He's seen all our home movies. <laughs> he plugs his tentacles into a VHS and he just rapidly consumes. That's all why home he movies. clones himself so we can watch home movies at an expanded rate. <laughs> See, I, I feel like you guys don't have like the, the, you, you. You guys aren't the best judge of this one because you guys as family actually watches home movies. I think the real way that people do it is record them and then put them in a cabinet to never be touched again until you need to erase them for new footage. Yeah. Until you go back to watch them later and find they've all been recorded over with episodes of, of Family Matters. <laughs> Sam? That's oddly specific. You know, Sam, yeah. I noticed on the VHS tape of uh, Multiplicity that you put in, it had a label that said, uh, the wedding of Sam's parents. Well, I did record it off TV, so... <laughs> I, did just tape, I just grabbed a tape out of the box. There's a crudely drawn stick figure of Michael Keaton on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know it was Michael Keaton and it was a stick figure? The eyebrows. <laughs> imagining a, a really bad dot stick figure face, but then like perfect artist yes. rendition of eyebrows. Oh, dude. <laughs> so I guess that brings us to the kitchen scene, which you've alluded to a lot because, uh, frankly, it's chilling. <laughs> oh, boy. So you've seen arguments in movies before between, between couples where uh, it's very dramatic. This one is... The, the argument between uh, Michael Keaton and his wife is just, is just realistic enough that it's painful to watch. It feels like mom and dad are fighting, and you're sitting there eating lunch. Or you're sitting there eating your dinner, like frantically trying to get the last of the spaghetti into your face. So you can go sit in your room and not have to listen to them argue anymore. They're not screaming, but somehow the quietness is even more effective. There's one line that every time I hear it, it chills me to the core. I am not kidding. This line gives me goosebumps. I hate it that much. When. Uh, so the, the, the main conflict here is that Annie McDowell is going to go back to work because after she had their, their, second, their daughter, uh, she took time off work and wants to now go back into the workforce, which of course, for no real reason, uh, Michael Keaton does not want to happen. And so uh, as she's presenting this idea of her going back to, back to work, she says, uh, what do you think? He stands up and goes, what do I think? And then walks over to the table and sits down. And every time that happens, I feel like I'm just going to pass out. I hate it that much. Oh, you know, speaking of lines that, that I hate, <laughs> this is the first, obviously the first time I've seen this movie. Mm -hmm. This is a bizarre line. Right after he walks in for breakfast in the kitchen, <laughs> his wife asks, Are you hungry? And he says, Nah, too tired. Gonna have some cereal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cereal, of course, not real food. Not, no, no, no. You I don't eat it. cereal. You just sit in it. I yes. pour it through my ear hole, not my mouth hole. <laughs> I also like the line in the kitchen scene of uh, when Andy McDowell says uh, she's going back to work. Michael Keaton's like, well, if you're going to go back to work selling real estate, because that's how people talk to each other. It's not like, you want to go back to work, uh, your job again? Instantly Say, condescending. You want to go back to your job working at the Meyer grocery store where you stock shelves? <laughs> so is is this, I don't know if this is a spoiler. Is there a reason he doesn't want his wife to go back to work? Or is this just like inferior male complex? Does he like feel like a failure because his wife has to work? Or Uh... He had his reasons. I think we, we get into this in later business. This, this okay. first part Spoiler of the movie, area. yeah, this, the first part of the movie is, is very slow because of the uh, fifteen minute long establishing shots. <laughs> uh, the, the, like like uh, we really can't overemphasize this enough. That that's probably a, a what, what do you say at least three uh, minutes? Yeah, at uh, at least at least we go through the entire Billy Joel George Fenton song. So it's really about a third of what we watched was just shots of traffic from nineteen ninety six. So, we <laughs> apologize, we don't have much to talk about as we usually do, but there trust was, me, this movie doesn't really kick off. <laughs> no, no, there, there is a lot to talk about, because in the subtle moments, like, uh, like Michael Keaton's reasons for why he doesn't want his wife to go back to work, such as, nobody's going to be able to watch the kids. I mean, we know he's not going to do it. <laughs> well, he, can't, he, he doesn't even have time to go to their stinking recitals. But, here, hear me out. Hear me out. What if... There were multiple Michaels. Then, I'm listening. Then, all right. So here's, here's, here's the thing. We got Michael Keaton. Yes. Busy dad. Husband who doesn't pay much attention to his wife. Yes. How yes. about he finds a way to make it so he can do all these things with his kids, with his job, with his wife. Now, what if they introduced that concept very, very hastily, and then the, a lot of the circumstances surrounding the introduction are never revisited? I've got it. Teleportation, Dad. Perfect. <laughs> Cuts out drive time. Welcome to edging on teleporticity. They could also adopt another older child. <laughs> have that child be like a free babysitter and get another stimulus check. Thank you. Thank you. Don't have a cow, dude. I wish you could adop adopt another parent. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish my parents were still alive. <laughs> <laughs> they could have helped Michael Keaton. <laughs> they could have stopped me from buying this movie. <laughs> On how many formats, Sam? Uh, the only one I don't have so far is the VCD. Uh, I, I know the VCD exists, but I've only seen two photos of it with no accompanying information. I've seen two photos of a Chinese VCD copy of multiplicity. Today we're watching it on Laserdisc, uh, as, will, as will be most of the time. Uh, unfortunately, my Laserdisc copy does have some disc rot. I hate Imagine to smirch the format as a whole, but uh, it's very entertaining as we're watching the movie, watching the disc, getting to actually see the results of the disc physically disintegrating as it spins at nearly 90 miles per hour in a Laserdisc player. It's really well, entertaining. It's, it's, it's not so much that it's disc rot, it just can't handle the amount of Michael <laughs> Keaton's there's a lot of uh, lag and input lag, and it's backed up. <laughs> yeah, the Batman laser disc, it's perfectly fine. There's, There's one, Michael one Michael Keaton. One Michael Keaton, it only had to hit. Well, I guess two, because he plays Bruce Wayne and Batman. Would you guys believe this is the first movie I ever saw with Michael Keaton in it? 
No, it was not because There's you saw no cars way. when you were a kid. Oh, you're right. You're right. He was in cars. Yeah, he was, was Chick Hicks. He was not. Could Chick? Yeah, yeah, it blows my mind every time. Right. <laughs> every person I tell that fact to, their eyes get wide and they're like, "No, he wasn't." There's no. I've told that to about seven people. For context, most of the time that we talk about Michael Keaton is in reference to this movie and this movie alone. <laughs> Kajiga. So it, hearing him in any other context is just absolutely amusing. I just, God, I can't, I can't picture it. I, I gotta watch Cars tonight. Life is the highway, brother. Life is a highway, Mr. Frodo. No, we it don't the highway. Uh, well, I, I think that probably sums it up for episode one of uh, Multiplicity here. Adam, episode two. Where do you think Multiplicity is going? Yes, th- th- this is your first time, so I feel like yeah, you have uh, that responsibility. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, honestly, at no, at no point in this ten minutes that we watched has there been any clue at what's going to happen, other it's than true. the fact that there is going to be cloning go- involved. And you have no we idea from the setup. Yeah, we, don't, we think, only know that from the cover. Okay, I think what he's going to do is he's going to be abducted by aliens. I think you're allowed to infer the cloning. Like, you can work that in even though we haven't seen it yet, just because that's obvious that that's going to happen. Right, right. Imagine if you watch this movie without knowing the cloning, so when you bring, <laughs> they bring it up, you're like, what? We're <laughs> you in law now? Oh, that's why it's called multiplicity. <laughs> Clever! <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. Oh, no, it's all right. I'm just... I think he's going to be, like, abducted by aliens. They're going to do experiments on him, try to figure out why his eyebrows are like that. <laughs> They're going to clone him, like, once every week. Every week, there's a new Michael Keaton. They throw him out like a like a chicken carcass. They, yeah, they just toss him into uh, what city are we in? I think it's San Francisco, isn't it? No, no, they're by Florida. Oh, they are Florida. Yeah, oh shit, the Gators. The they said they had like oh. a Malibu job. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and that that was a Georgia highway that uh, the Walking Dead shot came from. Okay, so they okay, so maybe the aliens plot is kind of stupid because if the aliens <laughs> just dumped. Uh, no alien would go to Florida first off. Yeah. And if they just dumped off Michael Keaton's, them gators would get him for sure. Oh, yeah. Ah, another Keaton got in the house. <laughs> another Keaton. Give me that shovel. The fun fact, I, 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 one more fun fact I want to put in at the end here. I don't know if uh, you guys realize this, but this movie is actually based on a book. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of John Green. I don't know if you realize this movie is actually based on a book. I'm not sure if you've uh, read the John Green book, An Abundance of Michael Keaton. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where did all a, these Keatons come from? It's, it's, it's one of John Green's darker works. <laughs> when the main character has to defend their farm from the invasion of the invasive Michael Keaton species. Okay, I... eating all the broccolis. I, I have a better one now. I have I, a I better think, prediction. I think it's really bold, though, of John Green, instead of writing about young teenagers, to, to write about a, <laughs> just a <laughs> boomer who doesn't like his wife or kids very much. It was an experimental phase. It was an experimental phase. So, my final prediction for how this is going to end is Michael Keaton is going to get fired from his job. He's going to need money, so he's going to rob a bank. <laughs> he gets caught and has served seven consecutive life sentences. <laughs> so he clones himself. So he, can, <laughs> so he can serve all these consecutive life sentences. And then still make it to his daughter's Girl Scout uh, outings. And luckily this judge is also the, the basketball judge from Air Bud, <laughs> where he's going to do dog rules. He's like, it doesn't say in the rules that you can't clone yourself to fulfill your Michael Keaton life sentences. I thought that was that the 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 Mule movie, where the Mule plays football, not 
Air Bud. I think you've just created like a, a dark dystopian novel here where you can create clones to serve out the ultra rich create clones to serve out their own life sentences. That would be fantastic. <laughs> like what they did in Nom. <laughs> Alright, I think that about wraps it up, guys. Yeah, I think it definitely wraps up for the first time. Uh, <laughs> did that in one take. Beautiful. So thanks guys for listening to Edging on Edging on Edging on Multiplicity. I've been Sam. I've been Adam. And I've been Drew. And we'll see you next week with minutes 10 to 20 because we finally figured out how to count. Thanks for watching. Edging on. Edging on. Edging on. That was Edging on Multiplicity, a podcast where three brainless clones discuss multiplicity 10 minutes at a time. You can email us at edgingpodcast at gmail.com. Edging on is a podcast by Sam featuring Adam and Drew. Music is done by Sam and edited by Adam.